This is the Wellsprings Word. Hey everybody, how's it going? Coming to you on the Wellsprings Word here from Casper, Wyoming. It's uh, kind of a gray day, a little rainy, and kind of, you know, I don't know, maybe starting to feel like fall a little bit. I saw a news uh, article today and I wanted to um, look to the scripture about it. Um, Chat GBT, I believe it's called, and the other AI engines have uh, started to make make the news in the Christian circles. Um, AI, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, software packages that can draw conclusions and think. I think that's pretty remarkable. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pretty remarkable that we've uh, even contemplated of a time when we thought that was necessary. But it's starting to make the news that <clears throat> people are asking some of these AI engines um, for new scripture. So um, recently uh, made the news because a, uh, a trans person apparently wanted some comfort. They said they asked their chat GBT to create a scripture where Jesus was inclusive and accepting of transgender people. And so this um, artificial intelligence program took a bunch of scriptures, takes a bunch of the statements here and there, grabs a phrase from here, grabs a phrase from there, and I'm not going to read it to you because it's complete fallacy and, and not scripture, but it created basically for him a passage that seemed to say that Jesus was completely fine with, uh, with everything to do with transgenderism. Now, the things I could say about all of that are completely numerously just all over the place because that's just, the whole concept of that is remarkable. So you regard Jesus enough that you need him to approve of your life, and yet you're aware that the actual scriptures don't provide that support. And so you want fake scriptures as like a Band-Aid, I guess, for your conscience. And the guy who did it admitted I knew it wasn't real, but it did give me some comfort, which just, you know, that statement is remarkable one as well. I draw my comfort from something I know isn't real. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> the whole construction of that is just sad. But in this time, um, again, going to the actual Bible, I just wanted to take five minutes today and just remind us of a scripture. Psalms 33, verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And you notice the recurrence of the word all. So from the eyes of the Lord, there's one race, the human race. From the eyes of the Lord, one kind, the human kind. And the scripture is saying, let all the earth... Every single inhabitant, fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Gives us a reason. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. So the entirety of the word of God is a testament to the power of God's words. The creation account, God declares, um, massive percentage of scripture is prophetic at the time that it's uttered, which is... God declaring things in advance of them happening. 
<clears throat> I apologize for this cough. It's bugging me, but I just want to get this to you quick. Verse 10 of Psalms 33 goes on. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, and he makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. So declaring that what God wants, his desire, is ultimately going to prevail. That there's counsel among the nations that is contrary, right? But he's going to bring their counsel to nothing and makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. So for everyone scrambling to create their own truth and live their own truth and all of that stuff, then at one point you finally perish from this world and you are encountering the truth. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that to face judgment. So no matter which word you try to invent of your own, eventually you stand before the living word, Jesus himself, and he's going to bring the counsel of everything contrary in all the nations and the plans of all the people that were contrary. He's going to bring all of that to no effect because we're temporary and he's eternal. And in the end, we will stand before him with all of our plans and our ideas and, and he will be the final judge. But I want you to really catch verse 11 because I think it's, I think it's part of the whole argument and people need to grasp it. Verse 11 of Psalm 33 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of his heart to all generations. And we see that word all again. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. So what God has determined stands forever. Why? Because it's perfect. And this is what has to be understood. If it wasn't perfect, he could improve it and it would change. If it was perfect and he changed it, he would be taking it to a place of a lower level of perfection, just by definition of the word. The reason the counsel of the Lord stands forever is because it's perfect. If you add anything to it, you cheapen it. If you take anything away from it, you're detracting from its perfection. So he doesn't have to change his counsel. He doesn't have to improve it. It doesn't need to adapt or evolve with the times. It doesn't need to um, come up to, uh, you know, a modern uh, standard of relevance or all the things that people want it to do. The counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plans of his heart to all generations. God is the same. And as much as everyone is trying to scramble around and try to figure out how to make these new hot button issues in our headlines how are we going to fit this into this ancient, antiquated book, the Bible, and trying to find some kind of common ground between ancient, traditional Judeo-Christian ethic and what all the modern people are scratching around for is some affirmation of a life that doesn't require them to change in any way. They they demand the, the declaration of a love, and then they define love as the unquestioning acceptance of all that they've decided to be. Well, the reality is God is love and his love is perfect, but his love being perfect means that the stuff in us that's not perfect, that's not like him, which is a bunch of stuff, right? If we're all honest, we all have garbage, we all have darkness, we all have things. He's perfect light, that perfect light 
shines into the darkness of a human soul. And whether you have traditional, we'll call it, right? Let's call it that. If you have traditional darkness, you're a liar or you're a thief or you're given to adultery or fornication or you have traditional darkness, you're selfish or you're lazy or, or you know, you're greedy, all these kind of traditional normal darkness. Now we think we've invented new darkness. You know, you're you're confused about your gender. You don't know whether you're a man or a woman. You think that uh, maybe you get to just identify and be whatever you want, whether it's a, a different gender or you want to be a zebra or claim that you're uh, identifying as a, you know, asexual or whatever. There's all of this ambiguity going on right now. We can call that the new darkness. But here's the deal. God's light is perfect. His counsel stands forever, and his plan is the same for all generations, including this one. And that is for us to find freedom in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, which means no matter which kind of darkness you bring, the old or the new, the light is going to shine and the darkness is going to be exposed as darkness. Now, we can try to make a plan by the verse before, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. We can try to make a plan that changes the definition of darkness so that what's in us is just supposed to be accepted. It's just supposed to be loved. So we come up with these plans, but the Bible is saying all of that is going to come to nothing because the God who actually made us is eternal and unchanging, and he's perfect in all of his ways, and he's not going to stop being perfect because our generation, blinded by arrogance and intellectualism, is believing that somehow we have a whole new spin on this, God needs to change to accommodate us, or one corner of the world tries to say, well, God has always been accommodating to us, it's religious people and church tradition and different things that have tried to label certain things as sin or not sin. All of this navigating and all of this gyrating around is just to try to avoid the simple reality that God is perfect and we are not. And I don't care if you have old darkness or new darkness. When you walk up to Jesus, he's the light of the world. That darkness is exposed. And if you have old darkness, the Bible tells the liar to stop lying, tells the thief to stop stealing, tells the adulterer to stop committing adultery, tells the fornicator to stop committing fornication. Old darkness is pulled up and called what it is, sin, in the light of the perfection of who Jesus is. And then grace is offered that we can be forgiven and we can be restored and the grace of God can also empower us to stop doing old darkness, lying and stealing, fornicating and adultery and all of that. Well, new darkness is no different. And when the light of Jesus Christ shines on the new darkness, it reveals it to be darkness, reveals it to be rebellion and delusional. And God would speak <clears throat> to the homosexual and say, repent of your homosexuality and stop doing it. Just like he said to the heterosexual fornicator, darkness is darkness. Repent of that and stop and be healed and be restored and come into normalcy with the plan of God and the divine design of God that there's a man and there's a woman and men were supposed to be with women <clears throat> and women were supposed to be with men and both are supposed to understand who they are 
Like, we all know that this is basically true, and we have a culture demanding that we forget that we know that this is basically true. But in the Christian church, if we're going to represent Jesus, we don't have to be hateful. We don't have to be bitter toward people. We don't have to be bombastic toward people. But we also don't get to apologize for the truth because the truth is what we carry in our hearts. The truth is the author, right? Our God, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is the nature of who he is. We don't get to change that because his light is revealing darkness that now people want to hold on to and redefine and decide it isn't darkness. So in a whole culture that's trying to say the Bible's outdated, the Bible's response would be Psalm 33:11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plans of his heart to all generations. And I don't know what you might be dealing with as you hear this, But the plan of his heart to all generations is a good plan. It begins with acknowledging our sin. It begins with acknowledging our brokenness. It begins with realizing that he's perfect and I'm not and coming to him for grace. And the plan of his heart to all generations is that for any person who will humble themselves in the sight of the Lord, he pours out grace, he pours out mercy, he pours out forgiveness, he brings you close, he stands you up, and he starts changing you from the inside out. The only thing that can get in the way of that is you insisting that you don't need to change, that the stuff you carry in your heart should just be okay. And God and all the Christian people should just leave you alone to be you and live your truth, except that your truth is a lie. And God's truth is perfect, and he's going to bring the counsel of the nations to nothing. But the counsel of the Lord will stand forever. And his plan is the same. All generations. We are not coming up with something so new that he needs our help that he needs us to change what he did and change who he is so that it's more palatable to our generation. No, God's not the one changing. He stands in his perfection and offers us the power to change, to become more like Christ, if we'll simply acknowledge that our darkness is darkness and we want to leave it behind. So, While they scramble for a new version of Jesus, I want to encourage you, Jesus in his reality as revealed in the scriptures, he's not needing any help to get any better. He's already amazing. He's already awesome. He's already worthy of our worship and our life and our obedience and our gratitude. So don't be intimidated by a world clamoring for us to invent a new version of God. Stand on the truth of the word of God and hold on to Jesus. Love the world, but love him more. Love the broken, but love Jesus more. And know that he is the savior of your soul. His plan will endure to all generations. So I hope this encourages you. Don't be dismayed by all that they're doing. The nations are going to rage, but in the end, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and everything is going to be exactly according to his word and his will and his counsel. So God bless you. Have a good week. I hope to see, well, yeah, if you're in the Casper area, I hope you'll come by and worship with us in person. If you're listening to this from somewhere else, you can find us on YouTube most of the time. 
when we can get all the stuff to work right. Um, and we're continuing to try to use this format as well, a little bit more limited than in times past. But uh, either way, get in the scripture, listen to the Holy Spirit, and let Jesus encourage your heart. Take care. God bless.